the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. I want to teach something that I'm sure will be a great blessing to you. I'm not sure I've done a teaching along this line before, and I don't know why. But I think it's the best time. Praise God. Praise God. Come with me to the book of Hebrews. For we have not come to a mountain that may be touched. And that burn with fire. And to blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet. And the voice of words. So that those who heard it. Begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. If you remember anything that happened in the Old Testament. In Mount Sinai, that's what the Bible is describing here. For they could not endure, if you really want to understand the book of Hebrews, you have to really read books like Leviticus, Exodus, and some of those books. When you read them and you come into the book of Hebrews, you are better able to appreciate it. I'm speaking to those who will take time to read the Bible. Tend to your neighbors say, read the Bible. You see, you must read the Bible until the Bible has read you. Come to read the Bible. You live in times where people read all manner of things except the Bible. You have to read the Bible. Make time and read the Bible. It's great to listen to it, but make time to read it. I have realized that every time I make time to read God's word, there are things I see that I never saw earlier. The Bible said we are with open face, great transformation, lasting transformation, enduring transformation can only provoke as you constantly behold him in the word. We are with open face, Beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. I'm going to teach something today that should bring you liberty in your walk with God. I'm going to teach you something today that will solidify your faith in Christ. I am increasingly becoming passionate about people loving God for who God is. We live in an age where there is what we call transactional Christianity transactional Christianity. That's what it is. That is the age we live in. Where people do things, once they know there's something in it for them. We come to church when we know there's something in it for us. We avail our time and our skill and our talent to serve God. When we know there's something in it for us. We give it because there's a promise of a harvest. Thank God for the promise harvest. But would you give if there was no promise guarantee for a harvest? That's what shows where your heart really is. That's the transactional age we live in. Everything is a transaction. So we love people when they love us back. We help people when they help us back. But the Bible said, if you help those who help you back, you love those who help you, what more do you do than the pagans? You are not different from unbelievers. My passion and my desire today and going forward is to be able to produce genuine believers who are committed to God because of God. Can somebody shout an amen? I want you to be committed to God because of God. That's enough. That's enough. And we cannot better appreciate this until we come to understand what this day and this whole event is all about. The Bible said and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded and if so much as a beast touches a mountain it should be stoned or shot with an arrow and so terrifying was the sight so terrifying somebody say so terrifying so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. Every time we hold on to the law, even the law giver himself terrifies. 
Because when we look at Mount Sinai, we are talking about the law. And the law does not just terrify the people the law is given to. The one who even receives it gets terrified by it. The Bible said, by the deeds of the law shall no man justify, for it is evident the just shall live by faith. Jesus said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sin, for the new test, which is to establish a new testament in my blood. The book of Mark. So terrified. Let's look at, but we are come. Somebody say, we are come. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a new day. You have to understand the testament you are under. You have to understand the age you live in. You have to understand the dispensation you come under. And until you come to a full comprehension of what this dispensation offers and what is in it for you under this dispensation, you can never fulfill your destiny. Look at it. He said, we are come to Mount Zion and to the city of a living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. And to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect, and to Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. I don't want to rush you into things that you leave here go thinking that pastor is just uh, giving you some things. I want you to see it in the word for yourself. You know, by the grace of God, I can recite scripture. Uh, so it's not a difficulty with that. But you must see it and go back referring to it. Because if there is one thing Satan uses to beat us down and stops us, principally is to make us feel guilty and condemned before God at all times. One of the greatest challenges Christians have is the feeling of guilt, condemnation, and unworthiness. And if these things can be taken away from your life, I'm telling you, you'll be better off than many things. Your prayer life will be effective. Your faith will work. You'll be more victorious and more powerful. The Bible says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And even as the Father have sent me, so have I sent you. So how come power was given him and power has been given us and we can't manifest power? Because we consciously are operating under guilt and condemnation. And there was a price that was paid. As we celebrate today, we want to remind ourselves of the ultimate price that was paid to bring us freedom and perpetual liberty from guilt, condemnation, and all the others. The Bible says to Jesus, verse 6, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Somebody say the blood of sprinkling. Say the blood of sprinkling speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Okay, now let's look at what the blood of Abel spoke. Because you see, when, like I told you, if you want to understand the new, you have to appreciate the old. What was said in the old, what was done under the old, it helps you get clarity and balance. In the book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 10, turn there quickly. Genesis 4, verse 3 to 10. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door and his desire is to have you. But you should rule over it. Somebody say you can master it. Turn to your neighbor and say you can master it. You must always tell yourself when you are tempted, I can master it. Even when you are into the sin, don't accept you are defeated. Tell yourself, I can master this. You are not the righteousness of God when you don't sin. You are the righteousness of God even when you sin. In other words, you can master sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can master sin. Say, I'm a master over sin. I rule over sin. I dominate sin. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The first murder scene in the Bible. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? 
when God asks you a question, be careful how you answer. And he said, what have you done? The voice. Somebody say the voice. Who? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The voice of your brother's blood. The voice. Somebody say the voice. Today I want to speak on the blood of Jesus speaks better things. The blood of Jesus speaks better things. I'm not sure I can even finish it by Sunday. <laughs> the blood of Jesus speaks better things. Somebody say better things. Say better things. Say better things. The blood of Jesus. Say it. The blood of Jesus speaks better things. The blood of Jesus speaks better things. Yeah. It's obvious Abel's blood was crying for vengeance. It's obvious Abel's blood was crying for punishment. It's obvious Abel's blood was crying for reciprocity. Whatever has been done to me, the same must be done to them. But when Christ hung on the cross, his blood cried differently. Blood has a voice. Somebody say, blood has a voice. And blood will either be speaking in your advantage or against you. But when it comes to the blood of Christ, it speaks better things. Somebody say it speaks better things. No wonder the Bible said, but now has he obtained a more excellent ministry. In that we have been brought under a better covenant established on better promises. Why? Because the blood that secured the new covenant is a better blood and it speaks better things than the blood of animals, the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, and of the ashes of an heifer. What better things does the blood of Christ speak? What better things? Somebody say, what better things? What better things? We need to get into God's word and understand from scripture what the blood of Christ is speaking. It spoke many years ago and it's still speaking. What better things does the blood of Christ speak for us? Number one, it speaks of God's unconditional love for you and mankind. Somebody say God's unconditional love. Say God's unconditional love. Say the blood of Jesus speaks. Say the blood of Jesus speaks of God's unconditional love. For me and the rest of humanity. One of the greatest revelations you can ever come to is the revelation that God loves you unconditionally. Praise God. There's nothing strengthens faith. Nothing establishes you. Nothing makes you immovable in your walk with God than this single revelation that God loves you independent of who you are and what you do. Our greatest challenge in life is that many of the things we gain in life, we gain by winning them. You become first in class by attaining it. Study hard and make it. You succeed in your business by putting certain strategies in place and then making it. You do all kinds of things to win. So most of the time we carry the same attitude to our relationship with God and we want to win the love of God. As great as that desire is, nobody can ever win that. The best of us will still fall short. Look at what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 5 verse 6, because this is where it must start from. Romans 5 verse 6. For while we were still without strength. Somebody say, I was still without strength. Ooh, that's why I said I want to read these things to you. Because you have to understand it. Most of these things, sometimes when it's recited in a hurry, you don't catch it. While we were still without strength. You didn't have any strength. You didn't have any desire for God. You didn't want to, you didn't want to have anything to do with God. Coming to church was not on your agenda. You were just quaffing and boozing and doing all kinds of things. That's all you wanted to do. You didn't want to have anything to do with God. While we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The blood was shed for the ungodly. Now go to verse 7. He says, for scarcely, for scarcely. Somebody says scarcely. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. He says if somebody is very, very, very good and you are, you are looking for someone to die for him, even that one can be very difficult. If you don't understand what God did for you, you have to understand, first of all, go and look for a person who is very good 
Very good. A very good person dies. At his funeral, all kinds of songs are sung. Minobako, mamie, 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 pape. Minobako, 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 minobako. Wait until they say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And then you know those who are really going with you and those who are not going with you. For scarcely will a man die for a righteous person. Yet perhaps for a good man, some will even dare to try. But look at this. But God, but God, somebody say, but God. But God demonstrated his love toward us. When we finish sinning, when we stop sinning, when we became born again, when we were contemplating on stopping, the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet. When you made arrangement to go and fornicate, Christ died for you. When you look into the office and nobody was around, and you were contemplating, now that the CCTV cameras are not working very well, and the key is with you, and you are contemplating on picking some bundles, Christ died for you. <laughs> this is gospel. This is what? This is gospel. Gospel is good news. And good news is difficult for hardened people to receive. This is it. While we were yet sinners, Christ. Now listen, while you understand God's love for a sinner, you will even appreciate much more God's love for those who have been redeemed. You feel God does not love you because you lied. You think that God is against you. Because you did something, you think that, and I'm not saying go lie, but you see, if Satan can bring you to a place, where you think God's love for you is predicated on what you do and who you are, he has already defeated you. Do you know Apostle Paul's greatest prayer for the Ephesian church was for them to catch a revelation of the love of God? Because once you get rooted in the love of God, nothing can move you anymore. Paul could speak and say, what can separate me from the love of God? Nothing can separate me no matter what happens. Listen, the people who become more than conquerors in life are those who understand God loves them anyway. God loves them no matter where they are. God loves them no matter what is happening to them. God loves them no matter where they find themselves. Am I communicating here? All of us seek to be loved and we seek to win the love of people we respect and we admire. But not so with God. It's such a great delight and it relaxes you. It settles you. When you understand that God loved you when you didn't even think about him. You see, redemption is not our making. Redemption is no human idea. No human being had any share in it. God decided, the Bible said, he chose us in him to be before him faultless in love. That's what God chose. Book of Ephesians. Look at what the Bible says. Most of you who are self-righteous. If you find it difficult to receive what I'm teaching, I know your problem is self-righteousness. God's love for you can never be dependent on your works. Look at it. Titus chapter 3 verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish. Thank God you are no longer foolish. Somebody say, I'm wise. Ooh. He said, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But, somebody say, but. When you are reading the New Testament and you encounter but, it's interesting. He said, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior. Somebody said, the kindness. Who? And the love of God, of our Savior. Toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have what? Not by works of what? Righteousness, which we have done. But according to his own mercy, he saved us. That's what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a series I'll be doing maybe next month or so, gifted by God. Now listen, he says, where he saved us according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. Not according to our works. Somebody say, not according to your works. Say, not according to your works. Good Friday reminds us of the reckless and incomprehensible love of God. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Look at Apostle Paul's prayer in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is Apostle Paul praying. These guys have just come into faith in Christ. And they are just there. He said, when I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father. What is he praying for? For a car? For a house? For a breakthrough? For a visa? None of that. Look at this. When you mature in your work with God, there are certain things you pray about. And this is one of those prayers he prayed. Look at verse 15. Run with me, please. The creator of everything in heaven and earth. Verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resource, he will empower you with strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. You want to be a strong Christian? Be rooted in love. Somebody say, be rooted in love. And by the way, it's not your love for him, it's his love for you. Be rooted in love. It's easier to love God when you understand his love for you. The difficulty most people have loving God is because, first of all, they don't understand God's love. I have not met anybody who struggles to walk in love, whether love your wife, love your spouse, love other members in church, who don't have a difficulty accepting God's love for you. That's why this is so important. We have one commandment in the New Testament. It's a commandment to love. And that commandment is not like the old. Under the old, he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But in the New Testament, he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, you have to get this straight. Somebody say, get it. Now, now, if you get this, your Christian life will be sweet. Get this. How come you can't let go of things? People hurt you, you can't let go. Your wife hurts you, you can't let go. How about things against people? People must always end your love because you think you deserve God's love. Grow and keep you strong. Verse 18. And may you have the power to understand. This morning, may you have the power to understand. Some of you, you will not understand it today and so it will come again. I will teach this and teach this and teach this until you understand. It's one of the values of our church. Love is one of the values of our church and you need to get it. You need to get it. You need to get it. May you have the power to understand as God's people should. How wide how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through it, though it is too great to understand fully. So understand why you are not understanding it. <laughs> then you will be complete. Somebody say complete. With all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know why you are powerless? You don't understand God's love for you. The fullness of God fills you up when you come into full comprehension. Now, let me walk you through a few reasons why it's critical you understand God's love for you. A few reasons why it's critical. Number one is that understanding God's love, unconditional love for that matter, secures and strengthens your relationship with God, fills you with his fullness, and empowers you for victorious living at all times. Somebody say victorious living at all times. You will not be winning today and losing tomorrow. You will win at all times. For we know all things work together for good for them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Understand it secures your relationship with God. It secures your relationship. Some of you are not sure whether you are a child of God or not. It's because you don't understand God's love for you. You are not sure. Today you feel like you are close to God. Tomorrow you feel like you are far from God. I don't blame you. It's because you don't understand God's love. God's love is not like human love that comes with feelings and emotions. It's there whether you feel it. I like it when the Bible says that we have known and believe the love of God. You know how to appropriate the love of God. Know it. And number two, believe it. Somebody say believe it. Say believe it. Shout it. I believe. I am loved by God. I may not feel it. I may not always feel it. But I know it. And I believe it that I'm loved by God. This is critical. We have known and believed the love of God. That God is love. We have known and believed. Romans 8, 35-39. Can anything separate us? 
from Christ's law? <laughs> it's a question. Does it mean he no longer loves us if you have trouble or calamity? If God loves me, why would this thing happen to me? If God loves me, how come I applied for the job I didn't get it? You see, you are putting God's love on useless things. Useless things. The proof of his love was the cross. If you really want to have an authentic proof of the love of God, look to the cross. The cross is the ultimate proof of God's love for you. Every other thing is a secondary proof. The ultimate proof is a cross. Somebody say the cross. The cross. He said, does it mean you no longer loves if you have calamity or trouble? Or persecuted or hungry. Ah, yeah, yeah. You may be hungry, but you are still loved by God. You are broke, but God loves you anyway. You may be weak in your body, God loves you anyway. Am I communicating to somebody at all? You have to be convinced. I like when Apostle Paul said, he said, I am convinced and persuaded is beyond a point of knowing. Persuasion is beyond a point of knowing. When you come to a place where you are inseparable from the truth, we say you are persuaded. If we cut you up, that's what will come up. Persecuted, hungry, destitute, in danger, threatened with death. Look at verse 36. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. But look at verse 37. And no, despite all these things, overwhelming. Somebody say overwhelming. When you are overwhelmingly loved, you also enjoy overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Your victory is not in you. Your victory is not in your strategy. Your victory is in the revelation that God loves you. I'm coming out on top not because I did my best in it. I'm coming out on top because I'm loved by God. Am I communicating here? That, that, that's what shows that you are coming out. And that must be the thing you believe in most. Verse 38. I'm convinced. Somebody say, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. This is Paul. I am convinced. This is a, that's why he could go through shipwreck and come out. That's his secret, though. <laughs> you know people, but he went through, he was beaten twice. He came out. He knew that he was so madly loved by God that nobody could kill him. Madly loved by God. I'm convinced. I, I, you cannot make me doubt it that nothing can separate me from Christ's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love for you. Somebody say, I am loved by God. This was what prophet Jeremiah saw and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I've drawn thee with my loving kindness. Some of you, you only know it in your head. It's not in your heart. So it doesn't reflect in your life. When a crisis hits you, oh, if God really was on my side, this will not happen. You must know and believe it. Somebody say know and believe it. Yeah, because once that is done, your relationship with God is secure. You will rest from your labors and your works when you understand that this thing is not about you, it's about him. You see, the reason why God cannot let you go is because he has paid a hefty price to get you. You are not somebody God can easily lose. When you buy a car at a price, <laughs> you don't drive it on certain roads. Am I communicating here? Yeah, no, no, no. The, the, the price on your head is too heavy. That, that, that's what makes you valuable. I'm almost getting ahead of myself. The price on your head is heavy. Somebody say it's heavy. it's heavy. I'll be showing you briefly what that price was. Number two, understanding God's unconditional love sets the stage for you to love him back unconditionally. Every Christian who loves God on butter trade basis don't understand God's love. Now that your job is not working, you have stopped tithing. You don't understand the love of God. I saw this scripture for the first time just a few minutes before I sent the outline to them. <laughs> he said, we love God. First John 4, 19. We love God. We love him because he first loved us. Somebody say, we love him. We love him, uh -huh. we love him because for the first time, I was just prompted to check the root word. And you see, we love him is the agapel. And he first loved us is the same agapel. Now, listen. It's, it's interesting that when sometimes you read, when Jesus had an encounter with the man, uh, Peter, and was asking him, Peter, do you love me more than this? Jesus was asking him, do you agape me? Peter said, I feel you. 
So you have to understand these two dimensions. He said, do you agape me? Peter said, no. I love you, but it's not agape. I feel you. you. I have the brotherly love towards you. He asked him again and again. And Peter was repeating it. Here he says, we love him because he first loved us. So your ability to love God unconditionally is when you understand God first loved you unconditionally. That's it. When you understand that God loves you unconditionally. Now listen, every other, our love work stems from here. Our love work stems from here. This single understanding that we are unconditionally loved changes everything. You know your problems with people because you can't love them unconditionally. You want people to become some way before you love them. God loved you into repentance. You must love people into repentance. Uh, that one is not uh, very, very nice. We want people to change to love them. We love people to change them. Am I complicated here? Yeah. You love people to change them. That's very difficult. And that's why this kind of thing, you don't do it in the energy of the flesh. You, you marry the husband, he's uh, all of that. Of course, he's not beating you, but he's not making you happy. See, when you stop loving him, you have a difficulty. Keep on loving him. Somebody say loving him. Is it, there is nothing that love, genuine love, when it's expressed, you cannot win. Keep on loving him, but you get tired along the way. One day, one day, you just give up and also give it back to him. Well, even after you have given it back to him, go back and still continue to love him. Yeah. Go back and continue to still love him. When we understand the love of God, we are able to reciprocate our love for God. We love God based on his love for us, not on what we can get. Number three, understanding God's love empowers you to love yourself and the brethren unconditionally. Somebody say love yourself. Self-love is great. But self-love must be rooted in God's love for you. There are people who love themselves to the point that they destroy themselves. Yeah. They love themselves to their self-destruction. That is a reality. This is love. 1 John 4, 10 to 11. This is love. Not that we love God, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us. You see, John, John got a full revelation of the love of God. He said, if God so loved us. John liked to use the word so loved us. Somebody say so loved us. Yeah, because the thing is so great for him that he doesn't know how to describe it. He said, so loved. God so loved the world because he couldn't get any better adjective to describe it. For God so loved the world. And he says, if God so loved us, can you see that? Verse 11, please. If God so loved us, 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 we ought to love one another. Why are you struggling loving people? Because you have not understood that God so loved you. With all your mess, he still loved you. With all your rebellion, he still loved you. If God so loved you, why can't you love your wife? With all her weaknesses. Why can't you love your brother in the church? With all their weaknesses. Why can't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Somebody say love one another. Listen, your ability to love yourself and others unconditionally is predicated on your humility to embrace God's love for you. It takes humility to accept God's love for you. When you are proud, you want to do something to earn it. Though you know you cannot do anything. There is nothing that can ever qualify a man before God except the precious blood of Christ. And that was a blood that was shed to redeem us and bring us into perfection before God. We are called to love just as in the book of John 15, 12. He says, this is my commandment. Like love one another as I have loved you. As long, hear me, as long as you continue to struggle to earn God's love for you, you will always expect people to earn your love. And the most difficult people you can relate with are people whose love you must consistently earn. Praise God. Consistently earn. Consistently earn. How to earn it? It's a very difficult relationship. Knowing that you are not perfect, 
Knowing that you can't always meet their standards. So it's always, you, you always be falling below the belt. And any relationship where you are constantly made to feel below the belt, you cannot achieve your highest aspirations in that kind of relationship. Number four, understanding God's unconditional love for you empowers you to be an effective witness. Somebody say an effective witness. Now, you see, when we say we are the witnesses of Christ, we are simply conduit. A conduit is like a pipe through which something flows. That's a conduit, a pipe through which something flows. One of the bad witnesses many Christians give to the world is the witness of enmity and hatred. In the world we live in, Christians can gather on a field and all they are praying is that somebody must die. They will clap their hands as if they were in a football stadium. Somebody must die because we have not appreciated God's love for us. When we were sinners, when we sinned against God, God did not send angels to clap their hands on the field. We must die. Praise God. There was no gathering anywhere on the planet. We, they, they must die. We must kill them. And listen, when it comes to God's standard, we were justifiably at fault. If God wanted to kill us, he qualified to kill us. He had every right to kill us because by the deeds of the Lord, nobody could stand. In Adam, all were made sinners. So we really had no standard for all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. So once you fall short of the standard, you deserve to die. That was a punishment. The whole story of redemption has to do with this. That we had offended God and God had a right to kill us. But he decided that rather to kill us, he will kill his son on our behalf so that he could redeem us unto himself. That is what redemption is about. So listen, as for death, somebody has already died. Somebody died in our place. That's why he is not expecting you to kill another person. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 to 48. Because most of the time, the things we are expecting people to die for, we are already guilty of the same. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many of you have heard that before? Very interesting. Hate them, hate them. Hate them back. <laughs> but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Next time you are praying, it should be for them, not against them. Under the New Testament, we pray for, we don't pray against. Am I communicating here? I said we pray for, we don't pray against. We pray for, not against. Because if God be for you, nothing can be against you. So really, 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 and for God to be for you, you have to walk in love for God to be for you. The reason why you have a lot of people against you is because God is not for you. And God is not for you because you are walking in disobedience to his clear instruction. He that walketh in love abides in God and God in him. Is that not what the Bible says? When you are in love, you are in God and God is in you. And if God is in you, who can be against you? But rather than have God be in you, you have all kinds of things in you. Envy is in you. Hatred is in you. All kinds of things. He said, I pray for those who persecute you. Look at this. In that way, you will be acting as true children. Somebody say true children. Ooh. So there's a way we act that we don't resemble the father at all. Of the father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. There are many people, if we will be kind to them, though we invite them to church, they won't come. Though they hurt us very soon, they themselves will locate church and come. But the love most Christians exhibit. It is based on you do me, I do you. You come for my birthday party, I'll be at your home. My wedding, it didn't come, I'm not going. That's not Christianity. Look at what the Bible says, verse 46. 46, 46. If you love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corruptors collectors do that. <laughs> Task collectors, where are you? Task collectors. <laughs> That's all they do. You love me, I love you back. That's task collector's love. Wash my hands, I wash your back. You give me, I give you. Listen, this is maturity. 
when you mature in God, the ultimate proof is in your love work. Is it what? When people have done what is really despicable and you really have to deal with them and you give up your right to deal with them, you are like God. You are like what? You are like God. That's who you are. You are like God. And they will fear you for that. Number two, as I close. So the blood number one speaks better things. Somebody say better things. You know love is a better thing. Yeah. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest craving of the human heart. To be loved and to be loved unconditionally. Love heals, love delivers, love binds. Love. People live longer when they are really loved. There's nothing that can overcome the power of love. The power of love. Celine Dion, in her madness, she knew that the power of love is strong. But the power of love. The self-righteous people are judging me. It's in your head. Praise God. Yeah. Number two, it speaks of your true worth before God. Somebody say, I am valuable. No, that's very weak. Shout it, I am valuable. Shout it three times, I am valuable. I am valuable. I am valuable. Because you truly are. You are valuable. You are valuable. I can't shout it loud enough. You are valuable. Somebody say, I am valuable. Stop that rubbish and nonsense. You are valuable. You are of great value before God. If you want to know the value of a thing, check how much was paid for it. You want to buy Okada? Vanessa, how much do we need to get one? 5K. Okay. That may be the amount you will need to get a set of Mercedes-Benz ties. The ties. <laughs> Possibly. I'm not too sure. That's how much you will need. More than that even. That's how much valuable the Okada is. <laughs> you want to know your value? Don't determine your value by who gave birth to you in the natural. Oh, me, my, my family, my, you judge yourself by the kind of family you come from. So your value is based on that family. When that family is poor, you say you are poor. The school you attended, because it's not a Timota, you think you didn't attend any better school. You are so valuable. Somebody say, I'm valuable. Don't judge your value by the kind of English you can speak. Whether broken or uh, put together, it is still English. You are valuable. Somebody say, I am valuable. You are valuable. Don't decide your value by your sex. Oh, because I'm a lady, I don't have much value. In Christ Jesus, there is neither male or female. Somebody say, I am valuable. Say, I am valuable. Now, the understanding that you are valuable always will affect how you relate with people. When you know you're a person of value, you value people. Do you know people who don't value people because they don't understand their own value? It treats people anyhow because they don't know they have value. But human beings are value. And much more, the child of God has value. Somebody say, I am valuable. Never think that you are not important to God. I'm telling you, you are very, very important to God. Yeah. You, are, you matter to God. You are so important to God. So, 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 so important. So, so, so. You matter to God. You are value to God. Let's see that. Your value, yes, your value is revealed by the price he paid to redeem you. Let's look at that. I think it will help us. Look here. He says, knowing, First Peter chapter 18. Knowing, somebody say knowing. You see, there are things when you know it helps you. When you know it helps you to appreciate your value. And this is one of those things. Knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver. <laughs> Value. Somebody say silver. Silver. Value. Your value is not silver. You were not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver or gold. Really? You call gold corruptible? Yes, Bible calls it corruptible. In my book, The Truth About Money, I looked about seven things that are more valuable than money. 
among many things I talked about. Seven things. More valuable. I think seven or eight things that are more valuable than money. Go! He says you are not redeemed. Somebody say you are not redeemed. Like with gold or corruptible things. I, I like that word. Corruptible things. Things that depreciate in value. Things that lose value over time. He says you were not redeemed with corruptible things that are silver or gold from your endless conduct by the tradition from your fathers. This is oh, but somebody say but today I've talked to you about a number of but I hope you have been following them. But with precious blood, not an angel was sacrificed for you. Your redemption was not purchased by silver or but the precious. I like it. I like it when the Bible says precious. Somebody say precious. Much less irreplaceable. Precious blood. Precious blood. Precious blood. Precious blood. Precious blood. Now listen. It's not as if God could not have used other things to save you. But he chose the costliest item ever. So that you have a sense of value. So that you have a sense of appreciation. So that you know that of all his creatures, you are the most valuable. There are many things people do because they want to be valued. Some people give their bodies for prostitution because they are looking for a sense of value. Some people allow themselves to be molested and death with badly because they just want a sense of appreciation. But your value is not dependent on any of that. It's not dependent on the car you drive, the place you live, or the school you attended. It's dependent on how much was shared for you. The precious blood. Now, no, no. now look here, look here, look here, look here, look here. According to scripture, he said you were not redeemed by silver or gold. Somebody silver or gold. Now, that God could have saved you by silver or gold. He chose not to. He could have saved you by the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of my hand. For let's look at that. Hebrews, I'm closing now. Hebrews, I told you that this thing that I've started, I won't go anywhere. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 40. So Christ has now become an high priest. Give me a new living translation, please. Christ has become nine. Christ has become the high priest over the good things that have come. <laughs> he has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Amazing. This is beautiful. Because like I told you again, go back to Leviticus, you understand the tabernacle that we're talking about. With his own blood, not the blood of gold, not the blood of gold and of calves, Okay? He entered the most holy place once. Oy. He entered once for all time and secured our redemption forever. I'll come back to this because this is very important. Somebody says forever. Say my redemption is secure. Forever. Yeah. This is very important. He said he's secure but because if redemption was not secure one time and forever Every time a sinner responded to an invitation, Jesus will have to die again. That's why it was done once. So those of us who still have theological difficulties embracing it, that is the sense. Because when you read Hebrews, he said then there would have been need for them to be offering the sacrifice again and again. But redemption has been secured forever, one time forever. Awaiting for human beings' acknowledgement. Listen, God is not going to save anybody. He has saved all of humanity. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 plus years ago and said it was finished. Everything that pertains to your life and your salvation was completed. Salvation is not now going to be made available. Salvation is already available. You only assess it when you come to faith in Christ. It's available. Accessible by faith. Somebody say accessible by faith. It's available. Is available. You are not saved. Is available. It speaks of your word. Somebody say the blood of gold. So there were five different things God could have used to save you. One, silver. He says silver is not good. <laughs> you should thank God that silver is not good. Because there are people who are more silver than others. Am I communicating? Gold was inferior. 
The blood of goats was inferior. The blood of bulls was inferior. The blood of the ashes of the ashes of an ahiva was inferior. God decided that he will use none of those. But he will buy you at the most costliest and most valuable price. So you read the book of 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20. He said, for you are bought with a price. Somebody say bought with a price. Say, I am bought for you are bought with a high price. You are valuable. Somebody say I'm valuable. Never joke with your life. You are of great value before God. On Sunday, we will continue. And we will look at what the blood speaks for you. Sunday, I'm likely to talk and it speaks of boldness before God. Somebody say boldness before God. Have you read the book of Hebrews where it says, let us therefore come boldly. Somebody say come boldly. That's where our greatest challenges as believers are. If Satan can stop you from coming boldly, he has already defeated you. Coming boldly. You are coming to church and then you entered into a taxi and there was a, a misunderstanding. And you get to the car park and you feel unworthy to come to God's presence. That's a lie from the pit of hell. By the blood you can come boldly. Praise God. You are just preparing to go out and preach and your wife says something and annoys you. And you tell her your peace of mind. And immediately Satan comes to you. You are going to preach. Tell the devil, I'm going boldly. I'm going boldly. Listen, if you can understand what God will share with us on Sunday, you will never live one day under guilt. I can't say here because some of you cannot appreciate it. But I have been very, very down before and still laid hands and seen results. Very, very down. You see, some people, some pastors will not tell you this so that they will let you make you feel like they are always up there. Me, I'm not always up. But I'm always powerful. I'm not always up, but I'm always powerful. Because I enter by boldness. And I enter not in my own righteousness. I enter through the righteousness of Christ. I enter through the blood of Christ. Listen, when you come before God through the blood, God does not see you, he sees Christ. When you come by the blood, he does not see you, he sees Christ. He sees Christ. He doesn't see you. That's why the best way to come before God is not in your self-righteousness. I prayed one hour. It's nonsense. It's good to pray for one hour. But when you are coming to God, don't come and put your hand on your chest because I pray, I, I give, I do this rubbish. You come by the blood. Somebody say, come by the blood. Let us therefore come boldly. Satan's number one challenge with you is to defeat your boldness before God. That's why he brings guilt on your mind. How come something you did many years ago, you are still confessing? It is all targeted at wanting your boldness. Listen, your faith will never work as long as you live under condemnation and guilt. Listen, this church is a new church. I said this church is what? Yeah, it's a new church. And so, <laughs> I need you to understand that because some of the things you have known before your mind needs to be renewed to be able to accept it I want to free you so you can enjoy your relationship with God and love God better am I complicating it? Yeah. because most of us cannot love God and express love to God because we think that something small was done for us redemption is supposed to make us see what has been done and what was done for you nobody else could do it not even you. That's why you should not try to spoil it. Because every time you try to do it, you spoil it. Every time you add your own to it, you spoil it. And that's the reason why we are not getting results with God. Because we are spoiling the thing he has done. What Jesus did is perfect. There is no better sacrifice anybody can offer again. No better. The Bible said, by one offering he has made perfected forever those who come to God. He has perfected forever. 
God never looks at you with an attitude. He looks at you as a very fine person. When he sees you, because he does not see you in yourself. He sees you in Christ. And in Christ you are whole. I'm telling you. <laughs> Let me close. My time is up. Something is boiling in my heart. <laughs> All three yesterday, I didn't know where to carry this. Thing. And it was way whether to go here or go there. But I understand why. Praise God. Yeah. Do you know the people who experience the best of God? Do you know that they are usually not necessarily the best people? That's why sometimes you even get envious at certain people. Because you think they are not holy and things are working for them. There is something they know you don't know. You think you are holy and with all your holiness you are still a mess. But when you see you are not holy, you just throw yourself on the holiness of God. Am I communicating here? Yeah. You throw yourself on the holiness of God, which is also the holiness God accepts. The holiness of Jesus is what we accept. If your holiness is not stepping from the holiness of Christ, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. When you begin to present yourself before God in your own right, you will be rejected. You will be bounced. In fact, yesterday I wanted to preach your account has been credited. <laughs> yesterday, that's what I wanted to preach. Your account has been credited. Go and cash it. It has been credited. Maybe next year Easter I will teach you that. Your account has been credited. You have to know what is in the account, what to do to cash it. Because though our account has been credited, a lot of us, we are still living impoverished lives. No hope, no confidence, nothing. Because we still think, we are, we are trying to fill our account by ourselves. Hey, ube bro. Praise God. Have you been blessed this morning? Have you been blessed this morning? Don't allow Satan to ever take advantage of you. One day, he said, we are not ignorant of his devices. Somebody say devices. 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 One sin that came your way, you, are, you, are, you, are, you say, I'm not going to church again because I don't feel worthy. Who feels worthy? Before a holy God. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't know him. Who feels worthy before a holy God? The holiest of persons will still feel unworthy. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't have to consciously do believing in sin to have a sense of unworthiness before God. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Even the holiest of us. You see, there are days, your Christian life, you are living it on such a way. There are days where you think you have done very well and your conscience frees you. I, 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 how many of you have been there before? Are there no days you feel that as for today, dear? I've tried. You, you, you feel okay. My bomb piper. Now, you see, when that time comes, your conscience tells you you are fine. Praise God. Then there are days where you are really at your mess your conscience tells you how bad you are. One of the things the blood of Jesus does is that it clears that conscience. It settles that conscience. So, 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 so when Satan raises it, you have to let it listen by the blood, my conscience is clear. Am I communicating it? No, no. You don't live under guilty conscience when the blood is there to purge your conscience. Praise God. You know, people have killed themselves because of guilt. Guilt. Emotionally sick because of guilt. But that was one of the things that blood took care of. Guilt. 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 That's why, that's why the Bible can boldly declare there is therefore now no condemnation. That's why I decided all of you should come together. Because what I wanted to say, if I put it in the mouth of somebody else to say it, you may misinterpret it. So hear it from my mouth. Praise God. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation does not mean that you won't sin again. Am I communicating? Yeah, it doesn't mean you won't sin again. But you see, because somebody has been taking your place, when you come before God, you are not coming as Ope, you are coming as Christ. 
In Christ Jesus, no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, you have uncommon acceptance. In Christ Jesus, you are accepted as perfect and holy. Praise God. That's where we stand with God in the New Testament. The reason why fire and brimstone is not falling on us is because we are standing on a better covenant. Established on better promises. Stand on your feet and lift up your hands and begin to say, Pastor Afrakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarter church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.